Chapter Seventeen of Chrome Yellow by Aldous Huxley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Seventeen. Ivor brought his hands down with a bang onto the final chord of his rhapsody. There was just a hint in that triumphant harmony that the seventh had been struck along with the octave by the thumb of the left hand but the general effect of splendid noise emerged clearly enough small details matter little so long as the general effect is good and besides that hint of the seventh was decidedly modern he turned round in his seat and tossed the hair back out of his eyes there he said that's the best i can do for you i'm afraid murmurs of applause and gratitude were heard and mary her large china eyes fixed on the performer cried out aloud wonderful and gasped for new breath as though she were suffocating nature and fortune had vied with one another in heaping on ivor lombard all their choicest gifts he had wealth and he was perfectly independent he was good-looking possessed an irresistible charm of manner and was the hero of more amorous successes than he could well remember his accomplishments were extraordinary for their number and variety he had a beautiful untrained tenor voice he could improvise with a startling brilliance rapidly and loudly on the piano he was a good amateur medium and telepathist and had a considerable first-hand knowledge of the next world he could write rhymed verses with an extraordinary rapidity for painting symbolical pictures he had a dashing style and if the drawing was sometimes a little weak the colour was always pyrotechnical he excelled in amateur theatricals and when occasion offered he could cook with genius he resembled shakespeare in knowing little latin and less greek for a mind like his education seemed supererogatory training would only have destroyed his natural aptitudes let's go out into the garden ivor suggested it's a wonderful night thank you said mr scogan but i for one prefer these still more wonderful armchairs his pipe had begun to wobble oozily every time he pulled at it he was perfectly happy henry wimbush was also happy he looked for a moment over his pince-nez in ivor's direction and then without saying anything returned to the grimy little sixteenth-century account-books which were now his favourite reading he knew more about sir ferdinando's household expenses than about his own the outdoor party enrolled under ivor's banner consisted of anne mary dennis and rather unexpectedly jenny outside it was warm and dark there was no moon they walked up and down the terrace and ivor sang a neapolitan song stretty stretty close close with something about the little spanish girl to follow the atmosphere began to palpitate ivor put his arm round anne's waist dropped his head sideways on to her shoulder and in that position walked on singing as he walked it seemed the easiest the most natural thing in the world dennis wondered why he had never done it he hated ivor let's go down to the pool said ivor he disengaged his embrace and turned round to shepherd his little flock they made their way along the side of the house to the entrance of the yew-tree walk that led down to the lower garden between the blank precipitous wall of the house and the tall yew-trees the path was a chasm of impenetrable gloom somewhere there were steps down to the right a gap in the yew hedge dennis who headed the party groped his way cautiously in this darkness one had an irrational fear of yawning precipices of horrible spiked obstructions 
suddenly from behind him he heard a shrill started oh and then a sharp dry concussion that might have been the sound of a slap after that jenny's voice was heard pronouncing i am going back to the house her tone was decided and even as she pronounced the words she was melting away into the darkness the incident whatever it had been was closed dennis resumed his forward groping from somewhere behind ivor began to sing again softly note ivor's songs in this chapter are translated from french into english by the reader phyllis is more stingy than tender and will refuse nothing for a profit one day she demanded of sylvander thirty sheep for a kiss the melody drooped and climbed again with a kind of easy languor the warm darkness seemed to pulse like blood about them the next day a new affair sang ivor for the shepherd it was a good bargain here are the steps cried dennis he guided his companions over the danger and in a moment they had the turf of the yew-tree walk under their feet it was lighter here or at least it was just perceptibly less dark for the yew walk was wider than the path that had led them under the lee of the house looking up they could see between the high black hedges a strip of sky and a few stars because he got the shepherdess went on ivor and then interrupted himself to shout i'm going to run down and he was off full speed down the invisible slope singing unevenly as he went thirty kisses for a she the others followed dennis shambled in the rear vainly exhorting everyone to caution the slope was steep one might break one's neck what was wrong with these people he wondered they had become like young kittens after a dose of catnip he himself felt a certain kittenishness sporting within him but it was like all his emotions rather a theoretical feeling it did not overmasteringly seek to express itself in a practical demonstration of kittenishness be careful he shouted once more and hardly were the words out of his mouth when thump there was the sound of a heavy fall in front of him followed by the long of a breath indrawn with pain and afterwards by a very sincere oh dennis was almost pleased he had told them so the idiots and they wouldn't listen he trotted down the slope towards the unseen sufferer mary came down the hill like a runaway steam-engine it was tremendously exciting this blind rush through the dark she felt she would never stop but the ground grew level beneath her her speed insensibly slackened and suddenly she was caught by an extended arm and brought to an abrupt halt well said ivor as he tightened his embrace you're caught now anne she made an effort to release herself it's not anne it's mary ivor burst into a peal of amused laughter so it is he exclaimed i seem to be making nothing but floaters this evening i've already made one with jenny he laughed again and there was something so jolly about his laughter that mary could not help laughing too he did not remove his encircling arm and somehow it was all so amusing and natural that mary made no further attempt to escape from it they walked along by the side of the pool interlaced mary was too short for him to be able with any comfort to lay his head on her shoulder he rubbed his cheek caressed and caressing against the thick sleek mass of her hair in a little while he began to sing again the night trembled amorously to the sound of her voice when he had finished he kissed her anne or mary mary or anne it didn't seem to make much difference which it was there were differences in detail of course but the general effect was the same and after all the general effect was the important thing dennis made his way down the hill any damage done he called out 
is that you dennis i've hurt my ankle so and my knee and my hand i'm all in pieces my poor anne he said but then he couldn't help adding it was silly to start running downhill in the dark ass she retorted in a tone of tearful irritation of course it was he sat down beside her on the grass and found himself breathing the faint delicious atmosphere of perfume that she carried always with her light a match she commanded i want to look at my wounds he felt in his pockets for the match-box the light spurted and then grew steady magically a little universe had been created a world of colours and forms anne's face the shimmering orange of her dress her white bare arms a patch of green turf and round about a darkness that had become solid and utterly blind anne held out her hands both were green and earthy with her fall and the left exhibited two or three red abrasions not so bad she said but dennis was terribly distressed and his emotion was intensified when looking up at her face he saw that the trace of tears involuntary tears of pain lingered on her eyelashes he pulled out his handkerchief and began to wipe away the dirt from the wounded hand the match went out it was not worth while to light another anne allowed herself to be attended to meekly and gratefully thank you she said when he had finished cleaning and bandaging her hand and there was something in her tone that made him feel that she had just lost her superiority over him that she was younger than he had become suddenly almost a child he felt tremendously large and protective the feeling was so strong that instinctively he put his arm about her she drew closer leaned against him and so they sat in silence then from below soft but wonderfully clear through the still darkness they heard the sound of ivor's singing he was going on with his half-finished song the next day phyllis was more tender not wanting to displease the shepherd she was too happy to require thirty sheep for a kiss there was a rather prolonged pause it was as though time were being allowed for the giving and receiving of a few of those thirty kisses then the voice sang on the next day phyllis unwisely would give her sheep and a dog for a kiss as fickle as lisette gave for nothing the last note died away into an uninterrupted silence are you better dennis whispered are you comfortable like this she nodded a yes to both questions thirty sheep for a kiss the sheep the woolly mutton ba 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 or the shepherd yes decidedly he felt himself to be the shepherd now he was the master the protector a wave of courage swelled through him warm as wine he turned his head and began to kiss her face at first rather randomly then with more precision on the mouth anne averted her head he kissed the ear the smooth nape that this movement presented him no she protested no dennis why not it spoils our friendship and that was so jolly bosh said dennis she tried to explain can't you see she said it isn't it isn't our stunt at all it was true somehow she had never thought of dennis in the light of a man who might make love she had never so much as conceived the possibilities of an amorous relationship with him he was so absurdly young so so she couldn't find the adjective but she knew what she meant why isn't it our stunt asked dennis and by the way that's a horrible and inappropriate expression because it isn't but if i say it is it makes no difference i say it isn't i shall make you say it is all right dennis but you must do it another time i must go in and get my ankle into hot water it's beginning to swell 
reasons of health could not be gainsaid dennis got up reluctantly and helped his companion to her feet she took a cautious step oh she halted and leaned heavily on his arm i'll carry you dennis offered he had never tried to carry a woman but on the cinema it always looked an easy piece of heroism you couldn't said anne of course i can he felt larger and more protective than ever put your arms round my neck he ordered she did so and stooping he picked her up under the knees and lifted her from the ground good heavens what a weight he took five staggering steps up the slope then almost lost his equilibrium and had to deposit his burden suddenly with something of a bump anne was shaking with laughter i said you couldn't my poor dennis i can said dennis without conviction i'll try again it's perfectly sweet of you to offer but i'd rather walk thanks she laid her hand on his shoulder and thus supported began to limp slowly up the hill my poor dennis she repeated and laughed again humiliated he was silent it seemed incredible that only two minutes ago he should have been holding her in his embrace kissing her incredible she was helpless then a child now she had regained all her superiority she was once more the far-off being desired and unassailable why had he been such a fool as to suggest that carrying stunt he reached the house in a state of the profoundest depression he helped anne upstairs left her in the hands of a maid and came down again to the drawing-room he was surprised to find them all sitting just where he had left them he had expected that somehow everything would be quite different it seemed such a prodigious time since he went away all silent and all damned he reflected as he looked at them mr scogan's pipe still wheezed that was the only sound henry wimbush was still deep in his account books he had just made the discovery that sir ferdinando was in the habit of eating oysters a whole summer through regardless of the absence of the justifying r gombo in horn-rimmed spectacles was reading jenny was mysteriously scribbling in her red notebook and seated in her favourite armchair at the corner of the hearth priscilla was looking through a pile of drawings one by one she held them out at arm's length and throwing back her mountainous orange head looked long and attentively through half-closed eyelids she wore a pale sea-green dress on the slope of her mauve powder decolletage diamonds twinkled an immensely long cigarette holder projected at an angle from her face diamonds were embedded in her high pile coiffure they glittered every time she moved it was a batch of ivor's drawings sketches of spirit life made in the course of trance tours through the other world on the back of each sheet descriptive titles were written portrait of an angel fifteenth march twenty astral beings at play third december nineteen a party of souls on their way to a higher sphere twenty first may twenty one before examining the drawing on the obverse of each sheet she turned it over to read the title try as she could and she tried hard priscilla had never seen a vision or succeeded in establishing any communication with the spirit world she had to be content with the reported experiences of others what have you done with the rest of your party she asked looking up as dennis entered the room he explained anne had gone to bed ivor and mary were still in the garden he selected a book in a comfortable chair and tried as far as the disturbed state of his mind would permit him to compose himself for an evening's reading the lamplight was utterly serene there was no movement save the stir of priscilla among her papers all silent and all damned 
dennis repeated to himself all silent and all damned it was nearly an hour later when ivor and mary made their appearance we waited to see the moon rise said ivor it was gibbous you know mary explained very technical and scientific it was so beautiful down in the garden the trees the scent of the flowers the stars ivor waved his arms and when the moon came up it was really too much it made me burst into tears he sat down at the piano and opened the lid there were a great many meteorites said mary to any one who would listen the earth must just be coming into the summer shower of them in july and august but ivor had already begun to strike the keys he played the garden the stars the scent of flowers the rising moon he even put in a nightingale that was not there mary looked on and listened with parted lips the others pursued their occupation without appearing to be seriously disturbed on this very july day exactly three hundred and fifty years ago sir ferdinando had eaten seven dozen oysters the discovery of this fact gave henry wimbush a peculiar pleasure he had a natural piety which made him delight in the celebration of memorial feasts the three hundred and fiftieth anniversary of the seven dozen oysters he wished he had known before dinner he would have ordered champagne on her way to bed mary paid a call the light was out in anne's room but she was not yet asleep why didn't you come down to the garden with us mary asked i fell down and twisted my ankle dennis helped me home mary was full of sympathy inwardly too she was relieved to find anne's non-appearance so simply accounted for she had been vaguely suspicious down there in the garden suspicious of what she hardly knew but there had seemed to be something a little louche in the way she had suddenly found herself alone with ivor not that she minded of course far from it but she didn't like the idea that perhaps she was the victim of a put-up job i do hope you'll be better to-morrow she said and she commiserated with anne on all she had missed the garden the stars the scent of flowers the meteorites through whose summer shower the earth was now passing the rising moon and its gibbosity and then they had had such interesting conversation what about about almost everything nature art science poetry the stars spiritualism the relations of the sexes music religion ivor she thought had an interesting mind the two young ladies parted affectionately End of chapter 17 Recording by Expatria in Bangor, Maine